are tuned in to the Way of Healing podcast, where we inspire humans to connect more deeply to their experience of life. My name is OJ. My name is Casey. We are connecting with practitioners to talk about the potential of the innate healing powers within. What's up, y'all? Hey, hi. That's, that's my intro. Welcome back. That's why I usually do the intro. Yeah, it is. We got Superman, phenomenal, extraordinaire Ryan Hodge here with us today. <laughs> Me and Ryan used to work together, and Ryan's a good guy. So I was like, I'm going to get you on, Mr. Good Guy. <laughs> Can we call you that, Mr. Good Guy? Sure. I've been uh, called worse. Yeah. <laughs> Strength and conditioning coach, manual therapist, healer, lover, Mobot representative. Yeah, what's that? Hey, man. Thanks, Thanks for coming for, on. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey. We got the headsets working, as Woo-hoo. you can see. It was um, actually one of, wasn't it this guy? It was this that little guy. black box guy? It a was little, our black box. A little micro amp. It that, didn't have enough attention, so it needed some more attention. Yeah, and right as we were going to start, my tea spilled everywhere. <laughs> Hot. But Hot. like just poured into the cup tea. I caught it, and then I dropped it. You caught it? I missed that. I didn't see the catch. I caught it, and then it was hot, and so I dropped it. <laughs> so that's not a catch. Technically, it was. Okay. But so he's drinking water. Yeah. Yeah. So it is what it is. But we made it. We're here. Uh, headsets are working. Technology is good. I got, got a tripod uh, for yeah. the camera. Mm-hmm. Good job. Yeah. We don't have painter's tape connecting the camera to the tripod. Oh, you should have seen it. The last episode, it was a mess. We had each different leg of the tripod was balancing on a different height book. Yeah. Ah. We borrowed a tripod from her neighbor. Yeah. And it was a camera tripod. And mm-hmm. so we like taped. Like an old big one. Right. The phone to the. It looks like this. We call so. that Jimmy rigging in my family. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you have a Jimmy relative who takes offense to that? I- I don't believe so. Uh-huh. My uncle Jimmy. Usually, it's <laughs> Uncle Jimmy. Usually, I've heard of it as Jerry rigging. Uh, that's another one. But maybe you have a Jerry who, and that's why they changed the name to Jimmy. Potentially. Well rigging. Well rigging. Way of healing. Rigging. I'm eating some sunflower kernels and golden raisins. Forgive me. I hope it's not rude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As long as we don't hear the crunch. I was going to say that'd be awesome if I could. Right. The oh, whole time. What, what's it? The ASMR. Oh. <laughs> We're going there. Huh? ASMR. Go Have ahead. You heard about those where they like eat food? <laughs> Somebody told me to do and then that. They make like they, they emphasize all the the crunching and uh-huh. the and people pay to listen to people chewing. They're into that thing. It's, how much? <laughs> I want to know I how mean, much I can make. Is people the first on thing. YouTube making bunch of money. It's like not only just chewing. It's like breathing. It's any movement that well, yeah, like crushing stuff. Uh, it's just the sound. It's it's that. it's like the new voiceover. Yeah, it totally it's uh, like voice maybe. characters in the form of sounds of crunching. What voice characters? <laughs> she, oh no, she did voiceovers. Oh, no. <laughs> See, you you could do you could be it. Like that's your career. Uh huh. Whoa, whoa, whoa! One thing at a time. <laughs> this is my career. That's what it's we're trying hobby. to establish. It's a hobby. This is a hobby? No, the Oh, the ASMR? The, yes. Yeah. That can be an, a yeah. good hobby for okay, you. Okay, Right? Yeah. You're natural. My name's Pashmina. <laughs> We've had Pesh on the show before. One 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 other time Pesh showed up. Yeah. yeah. So welcome, Ryan. Thank you for coming on the Thank show, you. bud. Thank, Thank you, you, listeners. Um, as, we made it through. <laughs> yeah, we did it. As healers, self-care is a thing that we struggle with. And I mean, not even as healers, as people, as 
humans, a lot of people struggle with, with self-care and they don't know where to go with it. They don't know what to do. They overcomplicate it. And that's why I wanted to bring Ryan on the show. I've, I've worked with Ryan. I've seen Ryan take someone from not walking to walking. I've, take, wow, I've seen him take people from not being able to squat to like squatting weight and jumping around and stuff. And so, yeah, I wanted to talk shop about your approach and your experience and your insight because you are also a manual therapist as I am, as Casey does as well. And uh, I am a firm believer that movement and self-care outside of a manual therapy session is much more important than the actual session itself. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> Some people don't like hearing that, but I do. It, yeah, it's it's a, you know, as, as healers, especially with like the whole ego thing where mm-hmm. it's like, I'm a healer, I fix people. That. Right, right. Nah, and, uh, exactly. I, that's why I'm like, I'm actually a little bit like tentative to say the word healer, even though it's like, it's still definitely true. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I try to put it more of the perspective of like catalyst for change and catalyst for healing. Oh, I like and, that. Right. I do like that. And I know what you mean, because I was like that for a long time. But, and at the same time, as a healer, I had to really embrace that part of me. Like, this yeah. is what I do. I help truth hold space for people to heal. And for a long time, it was like, I'm not a healer because I'm just holding space. Mm. But healing has this stigma or it yeah, can. It does. It, it has this association with like not real. Mm-hmm. Woo woo. Mm-hmm. Whoa, he gave me the woo woo fingers. <laughs> I felt that. That pierced my heart yeah. chakra. Oh, no. Yeah. Healing is one of those words. And then, you know, for people not in the industry too, it's like, I'm not, I'm well. I, I don't need to be healed. Mm-hmm. Right. There's. Mm-hmm. A stigma of like there being something wrong or there's shame or there's Tracy, who you all know from the podcast, was talking the other night about she hesitates to use the word healing and she prefers wellness, Mm. Um, much because of the population of, you know, like we're working in a hospital setting or where actually healing is preeminent. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Mm. Yeah, interesting. But different different places, yeah. different people, different populations think of healing differently. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like as a healer, you are opening the door in somebody's house. Mm-hmm. And then they have to go in and explore. Otherwise, their process of exploration takes so much longer right. because they're waiting to do the work until every time they meet with you. Right. Mm. So you open the door and then the next time you see them, they're still waiting at the threshold of the door. And you're like, okay, let's actually go through the door. Here's a chair. Here's a painting. Here's a. So, yeah, encouraging clients to do simple things. So what are some of the things that you have in your toolbox that you think are important and valuable for clients to do outside of sessions with you? Yeah. So there's a whole number of tools and I think everybody's going to use a different combination of them. But just to kind of holistically be more global about it getting people to start understanding the value of sleep and sleeping well. Mm -hmm. So there's tools in that arena alone. The tools that can help people start to feel like their bodies are moving better every day, whether that be a movement practice like a yoga or some other kind of movement practice that's interesting to people. Foam rolling or other kinds of manual therapy. There's so many tools just in the moving physically better category. Then there's going to be the tools in feeling internally better. So like gut wealth, 
brain health and wellness, tools in that category, and then the emotional, spiritual, energetic, physical side of things, which is also very taboo in the the healing slash medical world, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Casey knows a lot about that. Are those knowing eyes that <laughs> yeah, I'm nodding? Right. Um, and then there's tools. So there's tools in those. I would. What was that? Five main camps, right? There's three or four or five main camps I just talked about. So there's mm. tools in all those. And so when I see somebody for the first time, I really want to get to know that person and see. Well, how many of those categories have you really delved into? And I'm sure you guys would probably agree that most people haven't gone too far in many of them. Yeah. So we gotta as as people who teach and guide have to figure out where's the best inception point and then take them through take them take them into the house i like that analogy a lot mm. Casey. Yes. yeah it's it's tough because we see people and they want something they expect something they mm-hmm. come it's a service it's mm-hmm. a service mm-hmm. and they come to you with an ex- expectation of something's wrong i i need you to fix me yep yesterday yeah <laughs> it's I, like an urgency to yeah, it too uh-huh. i need to keep going i need to do what i need to do and a lot of times it's it, that's that's not happening, right? Because there's so much more to the healing of themselves and their body and their wellness right. that one hour, one hour and a half on a table isn't going to, you know, it'll change stuff. It'll yeah. move stuff. It'll get stuff going. Yeah. But like you said, are you sleeping well? Are you doing stuff to clear your mind? Are you learning how to handle your stress? Yes. Are you okay thinking it's okay to not poop every day? Yeah. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Like yep. the basic, some of the most basic things. Can mm-hmm. I speak to the yesterday piece? Yeah. Yeah. Part of what I'm finding is that people wait so long to yes. come for treatment or right. exploration or release. And this idea that body work is a luxury has to end. Yeah. It is a maintenance tool. It is a health and vitality tool just as important as washing your armpits or brushing your teeth Mm -hmm. or drinking enough water. Mm -hmm. You have to be, we have to be touched. It, It has to be safe and consensual, not sexual, right? But we have needs as mammals, right? We have needs. So people wait so long to come get treatment, which is why there's this sense of urgency of like, I've been feeling horrible for this long, this long, this long, this long. And then, my God, fix me. I can't deal with this anymore. As opposed to the like, I'm getting this for maintenance work before my engine light goes on, Mm -hmm. right? Or before I don't pass my smog test, right? If we think of our our bodies as cars. Cars and houses. Yeah. That's good. Cars and houses, people. People, (laughs) cars, and houses. That's what it's about today. <laughs> There's an irony in what you just said too, because I definitely see and work with the people who who are coming with this attitude of it's a service to help with this urgent problem. And then the catch twenty-two is that we as the healer, therapist, coach, guide, we have to really play around with how we talk to these people because in one side of the spectrum, we can, we know for sure we can make a big change in an hour. It could happen. There's no way of guaranteeing that. And so to tell somebody like, hey, now that you all of a sudden you've taken this big step to actually go and see somebody for your change, but I can't guarantee you that anything good is going to come about it. Like that can be a very hard tackle for that person to that you're helping to come through. Yeah. So there's this really interesting dance with every single person that we work with and see that we have to constantly recheck and reanalyze to know where am I going to be 
where am I going to best help serve this person? What's the next best action step to take them from where they are to where they want to be? And that might not always be pushing on somebody. Yeah. It might just be listening to somebody. It might just be mm-hmm. having them like go move around on the floor and get some stuff out. Like there can be different ways to, to help. Yeah. I like what I'm hearing here. I'm so happy that you're a male energy in the field doing this kind of work. Thank you. Right? Yeah. I think that a, a big piece of male energy can be a performative aspect or holding it in or a not sharing emotions or a staying tough. And it's like you representing the male form saying, no, please go roll on the floor and, you know, kick and scream or, or whatever it is. Cry. Yeah. Cry. That's happened to me before. Be a grump, like be super happy, whatever it is. But that expressive nature, that needing to move the energy out. We have a teacher who says better out than in. For sure. And that's something that I often come back to. It's like, yeah, it's not always going to be the positive emotions. There's going to be the whole spectrum of things. Mm -hmm. So... Where are you doing this work? Is this something, are you do, are you going to people's homes? Do you work out of a space? Both, right now, uh-huh. at this moment in time, both. Um, primarily, I was, I was telling LJ earlier, I will go to a couple of my main clientele's homes. They have enough space at their homes for me to do some manual work and or physical training, physical preparation. And it's also really nice to have that situation because I can firsthand see their kitchens. I can firsthand see their bedrooms. I can firsthand see their environments that they're living in which for the executive clientele that I'm seeing in that regard is a game changer for them. Because most people that they see in a medical setting aren't going to go to their house and be like, you have this massive TV right over your, your bedroom. Like, how are you watching TV right before bed? Oh, yeah, right before I go to bed. Oh, well, no wonder you're not sleeping very well. Like, no one wants to, to do the little dirty details like that. So that's uh, one aspect of it. And then there's a facility in Santa Monica called 34 North that I rent from. And I know the owner's there. So I use their facility for other private clientele that I can't go and travel to. It's a little of both. Nice. Mm-hmm. Do you know 34 North? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right down the street. Yeah. It's on Lincoln. It's like a functional, I say like quote unquote functional gym because it's not as reliant on machine style training, whereas it is more like understanding how your body moves. There's sleds, there's rings. It's mm. it's a nice hybrid of physical training. So the way that I hybrid helping people get from where they are to where they want to be, I like finding places that are hybriding other things. Cool. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about getting worse before getting better? Because I've <laughs> we've both seen that countless times. And yeah. a lot of times when there's tons and tons and tons of stuff built up sometimes body work or energy work or movement can be the catalyst to just open the floodgates mm. unleash it right yeah yeah, yeah. healing and, crisis and then when that oh. happens it's like everything shuts down and sometimes people can get to into a space where like you hurt me or you mm. you know you're not the right person for me or eh, whatever excuses but what, what what's been your yeah Experience. That, that's a loaded question. Yeah, I know. Well, let, let's, let me see if I can chew on this. Um, one aspect of when you first saw, said that was like, I don't know why, but I went to a space of when I hear about those, those people that go through those particular scenarios where they go and see somebody and they feel like that quote unquote hurt them. That's where I'm immediately like, well, I want to understand whether or not like that's really the case. Like there are th- practitioners that don't really have a grasp on what exactly they're doing or they're not exactly sure on how to do something properly. And so there are people that are getting hurt, unfortunately, from that regard. But then yeah. there, al- there is also the other situation, whereas 
you just saw somebody for the first time. You finally talked about things that haven't come up in years. You finally got things moving that haven't moved in years. And then all of a sudden you didn't sleep at all that night and you're anxious and crying. And maybe there's physical pain associated to that. So in the times where I've talked to people on that space, I guess all I can say is every single person's on their journey. And because of that, you can't stop unless you're like dead. (laughs) So as weird as it sounds, it's like those people that have fallen back. It's like, well, unless you're going to die, which I don't think you're going to die, like you got to keep moving forward. And Mm -hmm. so whether you decide to go and see another therapist or healer or whether you decide to go a different direction, that's your journey of getting better. And so you had to go through that process in order to get better, sadly. That's not everyone's case. I hope it's not your case who's listening to this, but that happens. And then there's other people in different realms that can pick up where somebody left off and take them through the door, as, as Casey was, was talking about earlier. I try my best to be as objective and guiding and cautious as possible when I'm, when I'm working with somebody, but at the same time, very transparent with, this is what could happen. This is what you might expect. Please reach out to me right away if these things are happening so that I can at least help guide you in a, in a direction that's going to be more pleasant. But you never know. It's yeah. chaos theory is the human being. So mm-hmm. one little thing can make a big, big difference. And we just don't know when that one thing is going to happen all the time. Yeah. Especially when they're coming to you from a place of desperation yeah. already. Yeah. It's like, all oh, this is going on. I need right. help. Right. It means that like the storm, the floodgates, yeah, that like the dam, the levee is going to break. The right? straw it, that broke the camel's back. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It's not that you leaned down into the refrigerator to get the orange juice out and that's what hurt your back. No. Right. Right. It's no. how many years of repressed emotion are you right. carrying? Yeah, yeah. Or just shitty movement. Right. Patterns. Or I usually find both. They're usually one and the same of, mm-hmm. or related in some, in some way. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you do in terms of like rehabbing movement Thank and, you. and like getting someone to progress from like easier movements to more complicated movements right. and in terms of getting their body to a place where they're comfortable, mm-hmm. right? A lot of being in a good place has to do with balancing out the physical, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual. And when one of these things is off or you don't feel comfortable in one, then mm-hmm. it definitely can affect the other ones. Everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen some crazy stuff in my, mm-hmm. in my practice along with previous practices that we've been involved in or ones before that where everything from emotional ties and or organ dysfunctions and or emotional traumas from past lives have all been somewhat connected to a physically expressed pain or a physically expressed inability to move. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say like properly because there's not really a proper way to move, but there's different ways to move, right? But I've seen all those things tied in together. And it's it's crazy when you find one of those things, but that's the beauty of this industry that we're in is it's a new canvas in front of you every day. Yeah. And the person that you saw yesterday is also going to be different than the person, that same person, the next time you see them. Yeah. So learn how to paint. <laughs> yeah. And I appreciate your take on it too, because a lot of trainers are just seeing the physical, right? Physically, you're not able to move this way. So right. physically, let me try to force you to move this way. When like there's, when you take a step back, there's so much more to the human body and yes. the human energy system that this, it, you, you got to look at all of it. I heard the funniest quote. I forget what podcast it was, but I'm listening to a podcast and this guy's talking about holistic health and he's saying, you know, 
you go and see this doctor and they tell you that you're having digestive issues because you have a gluten sensitivity. So you take gluten out of your diet, but your symptoms don't get any better. And so the doctor goes, more, you got to be more gluten-free. Like, go through all of your house. Take anything that has a trace of gluten in it. Anytime you go to a restaurant. Like, so their answer to the problem is just go harder on it. And I think so many people in the health and fitness industry are like, that's their number one mindset is, oh, you can't squat. You have a hip issue. So let's strengthen the crap out of something. Or on the flip side, let's just release the crap out of something. Oh, and that didn't work. Well, then let's find a different area to release or a different thing to strengthen and just keep pushing that, that one perspective. And so the moment you go, oh, there's a whole nother arena that that thing could be tied into, then you all of a sudden might make a huge change in the person just off this one small tweak. And in my experience and, and working with some of the best practitioners, coaches, therapists, the ones that are really great don't spend too much time on the things that don't work. Hmm. And what's going to work from each person, like we just said, is different day to day. In terms of when someone comes to you and you were talking earlier off, camera and I had to stop you. Yeah. Or you were mentioning you give them what they need. Like yeah. what does that look like for you? And also have you when you start tapping into the other things besides the physical, mm. um, like the energetic, have you I know Katie does Reiki, but have you gotten certified in Reiki or I haven't done like level one or level two Reiki certification. And part of the reason is because like I know enough Reiki practitioners where it's I'd rather just refer them to do just Reiki rather than try to put Reiki into my already very hybrided practice as it is. Because at this point, the more little extra modalities I put in, the more I find that people are just like, well, why? Like, why put in 15 things into this one session when I only need three of those 15 things? And so that's, again, getting back to what the person needs. And on top of that, I had a Reiki master who I was working with. I was doing some physical work on this, this particular person. And he looked at me and goes, are, are you Reiki certified? And I was like, no. He's like, well, you're giving Reiki whether you like it or not. And I was, that to me was him saying like, well, we're energetic beings. So whether I want to put the Reiki uh, title on it or not, I don't feel the need to do that at this time. But it's, it's a great modality that my girlfriend uses. Other practitioners use great. I will refer that out after I've had a client who is full-blown showing emotional traumas and they're not open to seeing any kind of counselor or psychotherapist that might use other types of cool tricks. And that might not be my first person to send them to, but something in that realm, Reiki would be in that realm as yeah. well for helping that. Yeah. And in my experience, it's hard to when a client is so used to seeing you for a certain thing, like for training. <laughs> For them to come to you for something else like it's weird, some energetic release. It's, yeah, it's mm. people have asked mm -hmm. me about like, would you ever do meditation coaching? And it's like, thought about that. Like, thought about doing more of the, you know, let's just talk for an hour and just you know, life coaching. But then at the same time, like you said, it's challenging for somebody to see you with those two different hats on. Like, how can you be an expert in this physical training, movement, rehab world, and at the same time be an expert at helping people with meditation or mindset. Right. And so for that reason, I like to have people networked in my practice, but then at the same time try to show people that like you can learn a lot about all this stuff. And just because you're not a master at all these different things doesn't mean that you can't get somebody into the, the camp, right. show them the waters a little bit, show them the territory, and if they like it, send them to the master. Yeah, it's all related, right? It has to be. <laughs> Ryan, I'm curious, uh -huh. and I don't know if you covered this off air, but do you want to talk a little bit about how you got into this kind of work? What I, led you here? I can. How did you get to my place How much time here? do we have? <laughs> <laughs> time. Yeah. 
So I got here in my car. Uh, <laughs> shocking. Right? So I, to help people understand that where I am right now, so if I'm going to start at A and get to B. B is strength coach, movement therapist, health and wellness coach. And to get here, I started way back in, I would say, end of middle school where I was the more overweight, heavier kid in class and had been that way the majority of my childhood and decided one summer that I'm going to start calorie counting. And that turned into an evolution of weight loss, physical change, started training at gyms when I was younger, got into sports, sports led to injuries, injuries led to training and rehab that just got me into the whole world of coaching and sorry, strength conditioning. And by the time I got into college and I was playing water polo in college, I was working with the physical therapists, the athletic trainers, the strength conditioning staff at my school, knew that that was the arena I wanted to be into. And as soon as I graduated, rather than going into a doctorate program, because no doctorate program quite gave me everything I wanted, I just knew I had to start working. So I was doing interning with Velocity Sports Performance, which was doing the NFL Combine at the time. So I was working with an elite NFL Combine group right out of college, working with high-end swimmers and sub 18 year olds right out of college, got into a private gym that had celebrities, Olympic athletes, professional athletes go and train there in off season. So at a young age, I was really fortunate to work with such a diverse population. And at that exact same time, because of my own physical issues, dealing with shoulder pain, back pain, I was going to different physical therapists, chiropractors, acupuncturists, getting treatment and working in their clinics to understand well, what does an acupuncturist do for back pain? What does a physical therapist do for back pain? What's a chiropractor do for back pain? And crazy enough, all of those three main doctor programs have their own little hybrids. Like one chiropractor mm. does a lot of muscle testing. One chiropractor just manipulates the C1, C2 area. That's all they do. One chiropractor only does the axial skeleton and one chiropractor does all joints. So going to these different chiropractic clinics just there was really cool to see how these things can intertwine. Same thing with physical therapy, same thing with acupuncture. My degree was in nutrition because Arizona didn't have a kinesiology program. So I'm learning about like holistic nutrition. And I fortunately, looking back, created a really interesting melting pot of academic literature and experience in the field to over the course of the five or six years following that got me into places like Human Garage where I could like furthermore diverse and different practices and modalities. And as you know, I was doing my own stuff on the side there. So it's been, a, it's been an evolution of, of learning and working with people nonstop and figuring out how as many of these different systems that I can learn about work and intertwine together and where you can pluck little changes into these systems to create better health, better wellness, better beans. Does that work? That works. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> was this Arizona State ASU? No, I went to U of A. You went to U of A. Yes. You're I'm, a wildcat. Bear down. Too. My dad's a wildcat. See that man on the refrigerator right there, there with the striped shirt? No, one below that. Yeah. Bear down. George Kim. <laughs> Woo! Awesome. We're awesome. gonna send a photo of that for to sure. Him later. Anyone that went to U of A sees my. They're like, yeah. My parents are trying to move back to Tucson. Are they? As we speak. Good for them. Uh huh. I wouldn't. <laughs> I love it. Don't get me wrong. Dang. I don't know that I'm advocating for it. I actually today texted them, New Mexico has really low property taxes. <laughs> They're <laughs> under 1%, sons. Right? I have a best friend that just moved from New Mexico to Phoenix. Oh, wow. They're both yeah. they're both cheaper than LA, that's for sure. Everything is I only cheaper. said not to Tucson just because I've lived there for four years. It was hot. 
and I've lived in Southern California and just personally, I'm a Southern California environment kind of guy. Mm. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cool. you can go out to the park and move around any, any day of any the year, day. pretty much. Right. Yeah. Almost any hour of any day. Yeah. yeah. Right. You go to Arizona and it's. Yeah. You're hiding Good in the luck. shade for six months of the right. year and then you're cold at night in the winter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mom, dad, do you hear that? Are you <laughs> listening? <sighs> I've had a, phone mount melt in my car when yep. I was visiting Phoenix. Wow. Yeah. It's Weird intense. things. It's hot. Yeah. So what is your vision for your practice going forward? I haven't thought about that in a minute. Good question. Yeah, thank Ouch. you. Yeah, yeah. Because right now my practice is very diversified between teaching for Mobot, working with these executive clients that I have with the startup company, and then my private clients that I've kind of hand selected, which is nice. So if I had to give it like a five-year timeline, I would say I'm probably still doing some of all of those three things. But my goal is that in a few years, the tech company that I'm working with is going to have their own bigger space that I can put a gym inside of, which will just give me more freedom to do workshops and teach and, and host things. And that my private clientele just slowly starts to build up so that we can start combining communities together and get these ideas and concepts and strategies shared. So just kind of just evolving it into a little bit of a bigger hub. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like right now it's really fun because everything's just very new and I'm growing things. Like I've, I've had a website for a few months now and I still have plenty of things to change with that. I know that my facility that I'm using right now is going to change in the next couple of years. So I'm kind of just trying to enjoy the ride for a bit and continue to manifest more more evolution. Yeah, I like it. Thanks. We're into it. You're saying? Manifest evolution. Yeah. Heck yeah. Right? That's mm-hmm. what we're doing. We're woman and manifesting. Yeah. She likes to woman. I'm on. Well, I'm on board. Know, it's kind of a fun word to play with. It is. <laughs> what was the word I made up? Oh, you made up a word? Yeah. That makes you a what? I don't know. I forgot what the word was. I don't even remember what the word was. Write okay. it down. When it comes back. Yeah. It was a terrible word. Like a bad word, or like a like <laughs> you see what I did there. It was, was it a bad word, or was no, it just a terrible like? It was like cheesy, corny, okay. typical like. Dad joke. What did it dad have to word. do with? Oh, it was a dad joke. Yeah, it was one of I those. bet, I bet, um, I bet Kai or Mar would remember. I bet Mar would remember. Yeah, she, yeah, she remembers a lot. She probably remembers Ryan. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> she just been. saw him last night. They're so no. sweet. Hasn't been that long. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. very, very sweet. So in terms of like when someone comes in and they haven't moved before or mm. someone who is struggling to start moving, like yeah. where would you recommend they start? So just to be clear on the question, this is somebody who in some way, shape or form pretty much what has what I would call a, a low training experience, meaning mm. that they've, they've never really done any kind of formal, like we could say yoga, Pilates, strength training, like they're just kind of new to it. Yeah. And they're now reaching out to me because they want to start this journey and they're looking for probably the the most efficient way to get them into a healthy routine that's not going to hurt them. So that's, mm-hmm. that's my typical client. Um, actually, I take that back. That's like a third of my clientele. Most of my clientele are actually highly trained, highly experienced. So it's for them, it's like, how do I optimize everything I've, I've been doing and or unlearn some of the bad habits and learn better habits? But sorry, for the uh, unexperienced client, First thing I want to do is have a nice long chit chat and see, well, why are you doing what are you doing? Do you want to get healthy and fit because your mom just passed away? 
and you're afraid that you're going to go down that same rabbit hole? Mm -hmm. Or are you getting healthy and fit because your friends are making fun of you for being the overweight one? Those are two very, very different reasons. And in one of those two categories, I could see one of those people going a lot longer down the journey than the other one. Because in a fear-based mindset, when shit hits the fan, you get scared and it's not worth it because it's it's a fear-based thing most of the time, not all the time. And then when you have more of a, I'm doing this because I want to be the best version of myself. I'm not happy with where I've come in my life. I'm maybe comparing myself to people that I respect and I want to be more like these, these people that I respect. Those kinds of people tend to, to last a little bit longer when I'm working with them because they have more self-motivation. They have more self-awareness and it's not just this reactive thing. It's a proactive thing. Mm -hmm. So I start with that. And a lot of people aren't open to those concepts. So as soon as I get that information from them, I don't even talk about that. I just go into, okay, well, what do you want to do? And if the response is something like, I want to lose weight or I want to feel better, then we're going to have a very long conversation because I'm very objective. The difference between losing five pounds and losing 20 pounds is very different to me. The difference between gaining five pounds of muscle and gaining 20 pounds of muscle is very different to me. The goal of being a, like, I want to just be able to run versus I want to be able to run, bike, swim, lift. Those are different programs. So all these different factors have to be processed and figured out. And then from there, it's like, all right, now let me actually put my hands on you, see you move, see how well you think you move versus what I expect you to be able to do. If you're telling me that you're going to do some kind of athletic event, you need to have certain mobility and flexibility prerequisites before we even start talking about strength training. Mm -hmm. So these kinds of things are all dealt with. And then I try to keep it in the majority of that camp for our first session, but then get them to understand that over time, if things aren't changing in the right direction or it's not moving as quickly as we'd expect, we need to start talking about other factors like sleep, nutrition, emotional health and wellness, stress, environment, relationships. Depends what the person's open to going into. Yeah. So typical starting day right there. Can we delve into the fear thing you mentioned? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> unfortunately, a lot of people come to healers or to someone that they think is going to help them out of fear. And someone once told me that when you make a decision out of fear, it's only going to result in another situation where fear is going to take hold. Right. Yeah. So there's so many things I could say about that. The first thing that pops in my mind is just because I literally saw this book at my client's house the other day. There's a book called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, if mm -hmm. you guys have heard of it. And one of the concepts that I really like from this book is this thing called upper limiting yourself, which basically means that you have this story that's running in your mind and the subconscious story will take over your physical experience and present things that force you to stay at a level that you're at. And that usually happens in a fear-based mindset mm -hmm. because I'm afraid, like, let's use the, just because I used it earlier, like somebody passed away in my life and I'm afraid that I'm going to go down that rabbit hole you're going to manifest most likely some kind of thing, whether it's another family member having an issue or you have your own issue, that's going to set you off into a cascade of fear and questionable emotions that most people are just going to be stuck in and not be able to evolve and pass through. So you are asking about tools earlier, Casey. I feel like for so many millions of reasons, this is why meditation is a really good tool. Because for the person who is in a fear-based mindset, if you meditate in some way, shape, or form long enough, I would be very shocked if that little thought didn't shoot into your head during your practice. Like whether you're just being quiet and still, whether you're trying to manifest something, whether you're trying to bring abundance and gratitude or whatever into your life, at some point, these little thoughts of like, 
oh, well, my mom, or, oh, well, this, this incident, or like, but what if this happens? We're going to keep shooting into your brain, and then you can figure out, like, there's something here limiting going on, so let's figure out how we can get to the root of this and maybe change that perspective mm-hmm. and, and go from a fear-based mindset or a fear-based process of reactive process of life to a more proactive and, for lack of a better word, love and, and happiness-based rationale. Empowerment. Empowerment. That's, that's a much better word. Yeah. I like it. You kind of nailed it. Exactly Thanks. how. It's exactly what I was looking for. That's <laughs> why we're friends. I know. <laughs> if fear's a real thing and it's a hard pill for people to swallow, it's yeah. like if you do shit out of fear, like you're gonna all time. You're gonna you can potentially mess things up, and you yeah. really have to look at those parts of you that are doubting you or or doubting life, and and really sit with that and yeah. be with that and work through that because that's really where where the breakthroughs are going to happen for mm-hmm. you. And it's crazy because, like, you can do the right things for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And it's like the outside world will look at you and be like, oh, this person is doing so great. They're, they're trying hard. They're eating right. They're da-da-da-da-da. And even though you're doing all the right things, if subconsciously or inside you have a story playing that's not really what you think is going on, that can cause chaos. Mm-hmm. You know? Have you noticed that, Casey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Did my face just go somewhere? I, I just so. went somewhere. Is there a reason why I'm being so quiet right now? Processing. I mean, fear is real. Yeah. And then there's the shame around admitting fear. And mm-hmm. it just, you know, sometimes it looks like a huge mountain to scale. And you're like, how am I ever going to get up there? Yeah. Um, I think what I'm thinking about is fear prolongs the process of learning. Mm-hmm. Because so long as we're choosing out of fear or we are being motivated by fear, then we haven't learned that lesson. So whatever lesson that fear was bringing has to show up in another way, in another choice further down the road. So here we are adults and... uh, yeah, we're confronted just with these choices. And I kind of don't remember what question you asked me because I was like elsewhere when you when you I asked me. You kind of answered it because I was saying like, you, have you experienced that? And you're like, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. But at the same time, like going off piggybacking what you said, fear is real. It's not bad. And then at the same time, society tells us that it is. So like you're not supposed to tell the world that you're afraid of this or that you feel right. this way. Like social Perfect media example. says, don't you ever show me that. Don't show your vulnerability. Exactly. So there, there's that stigma that needs to be broken on one hand. And then there's another stigma of like fear isn't bad. It's, it's, it's a part of life. It's built into our body for a reason. Like if I see a, a cougar walking down the street, I want to get scared and run and be able to run really, really fast and cougar, get away. The, the animal, right? Oh, You're so good. You're so bad. <laughs> I say good, she says bad. <laughs> no, like a, like a real animal. But if I saw a cougar like a lady cougar, I, I don't know what? if I'd be afraid. <laughs> be very afraid. Be very, I don't know. Is she from Santa Clarita? Oh, my gosh. Oh, this yeah. is too funny. She'll, she'll eat you. She's going to eat your, yeah. Exactly. But yeah, like, about so, so fear is not bad is all I wanted to say, but it, it, it should be understood and not relied on. It's a normal part of every emotional experience. Right. It's real. Yeah. I mean, there's there's fear and there's joy. There's fear and there's love. And some of us say that those are the only two things that we really experience, right? There's yep. safety or not safety. Yep. Yeah. It pretty much boils down to that. And things branch from there. Safety or not safety. And 
again, this idea of like healing or trauma, those words are, they're like hot button words yeah. and they don't really need to be at all. Yeah. I'm not like affronting somebody's parenting if we acknowledge that, yeah, their kids have trauma because mm. nobody grows up without it. No. I'm not saying it has to be blunt force to the head, right? right? But like I wasn't seen at such and such age or I tried to get the attention of so-and-so or, right. you know, just the habituations that you learn. It's not safe to share my feelings right. or they don't, you know. Yep. That's what we're talking about when we talk about trauma. And so that's in the not safe category. Right. And then anything that's healing and wellness-based and love-based and not fear-based is in the safe category. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I think that the work of wellness practitioners or healers or anybody doing this is, well, and all of all of humanity really, yeah. is creating safety. Mm. And something that I thought was cool is how you were talking about how like these things are in the non-safe category and safe. And I agree. I wanted to add that in certain circumstances, how you look at the not safe stuff can change it to a safe thing. Mm -hmm. And so I remember, I forget if it was a professor or some, somebody who was very knowledgeable in the neurological science realm was saying between the ages of three and seven, and most people know this, this is where your subconscious is kind of the most susceptible to what's coming in verbally, visually, right? And when I was told that, instead of going to like things going on in my family, what I actually thought about was like being in daycares being in school systems or be, right where these are authoritative figures that are saying things because that's just what's running in their mind but not realizing that these things that go into your ears are now becoming an ingrained story of unsafety like getting a toy snatched from you and being like you think everything is yours you don't own everything now turns into a i'm not enough and i like Let's get that out. Yeah. Um, I'm not enough and like can turn into all these things. And then you come back down the line and all of a sudden you go, oh, well, if I look at this differently, this person was young, didn't know what they were doing. They were angry. They just snatched it out of my hand because they were trying to get the kids to calm down. And I just took it that way. And it really doesn't have to be an unsafe. And then all of a sudden my shoulder feels better. What? Yeah. Like, that's the world I live in. Is that, is that, what, is that what happened to your shoulder? No. No, I mean, no. But, like, I, just example. It could have been a neck or a toe. Yeah, my, appendix, yeah. my appendix feels better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my my oldest daughter, Mar, is in school. Mm. She's six. And so, you know, there's, there's, there's kids, and you try to protect your child as much as you can with, like... Oh, there's these clicky kids that I just don't think right. you should be hanging around. Or there's even parents that yeah. you know the way they talk to their kids, or the way they talk to teachers, or the way they talk to their parents. Or it's like your kids are so receptive to these things, mm -hmm. and they're 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 holding on to these um, these thought patterns, and they're being ingrained into their subconscious, yep. into their bodies. And it's like we have to be so conscious with everything we do, and mindful, and it's it's not a hard thing to do, and a lot of people just don't know what they're doing. No, it's just ignorance. Yeah, and that's I, I love this podcast because we we get to talk about these things yeah. and educate people in a sense about like the effect that they have on themselves and on other people and their kids. Um, and a lot of people just don't know. Yeah. Uh, perfect example when I when I first got when I first started working for the the Human Garage, my posture was terrible. <laughs> It was terrible. I did mixed martial arts for a few years. I was doing jujitsu. I 
was teaching yoga, and right. you would think that in yoga you would have great posture, right. open posture. But I was so rounded forward, my head was sticking forward, and part of it was subconsciously growing up. I used to see kids that were like muscular. That yes, I get that. Yeah, and so when I got older, when I got into fighting, I want to look, I want to look buff. Yep. And so I'm going to puff my chest up. I'm going <laughs> to totally. s- stick my head forward so I look like a fighter. So people when I walk around, people are like, oh, that guy looks tough. I don't want to mess with that guy. I just didn't know. I, didn't, I, had, I had no clue that right. your ear was supposed to, supposed to line up with like your hip and your knee and your right. ankle. I, I had no clue. Right. And a lot of the same thing happens with like uh, emotions and, and the way we talk to people. We just don't know that what effect that has on everything else. And so getting people to start thinking about these things and and not even learning lessons from us but just to take a step back yeah. from their normal day-to-day thinking and say oh maybe there's something else there right is huge it's awareness it's awareness yeah for sure can you believe that casey like guys also are like walking around trying to look like other guys or it's like it's mostly in the the women stim what's the 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 women category of of thinking is like mm-hmm. their body image and and you know, they have to wear this and that to look this way. Guys are like it too. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm 100% sure. Right. There just isn't quite as much media around it. Know. You and know? it's the funniest thing. You see guys. I like, I, I see a guy walking. I'm very self-conscious about my posture. <laughs> that was also something that my mother, and I also came to yoga and my yoga, t- my when I was doing my teacher training, he was like, you know, you jut your chin out. Mm-hmm. Oh, you've seen that? No. <laughs> and I'm, Never. And then I realized it, and I, it's because I was, like, moving through the world too eager, mm. right? I was, like, in the future. That's interesting. what, uh, you know, certain yeah. psychological, philosophical approaches will say, right? They'll examine the posture, and they'll, they'll say, oh, this suggests this, and right. this refers to that. So, yeah, I was, like, too much in the world, too much out there, mm. and not enough in myself. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And a lot of it just, it really starts with a physical body awareness. Yeah. And that's why I think movement and, and what you do is so huge because we're starting to get people in tune with their own bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first got into body work, even though I had been teaching yoga for four years and I've been taking yoga for a total of eight years, like my body awareness just wasn't quite there because mm-hmm. I wasn't educated on how my body moved through space. Right. Right. I was I was educated on like what a good yoga posture looked like. I yep. could take a picture of myself doing a cool yoga posture, but I didn't really understand the intricacies of what my body was doing. Yeah. Or what this muscle was doing or how this muscle was causing your body to move this way. Mm-hmm. Not saying that people needed to start delving into yeah. like anatomy in that sense, but understanding the basics of how your body is supposed to move when you're mm-hmm. walking. Something mm-hmm. as simple as walking totally. is huge yep. because walking is like our primary form of movement that we do in our, throughout our entire lives. And if people just aren't walking correctly, then yep. you know potentially other things just aren't moving correctly. I would even go before walking, breathing. You, right, right. Right. Like that. That's a movement. That that's technically moving your entire trunk cavity is mm-hmm. moving with breath technically if we're doing it right mm-hmm. so like you said it's 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 an awareness thing and I, I thought it was a great point about not saying like everyone needs to go and become an anatomy nerd but if i go out on venice boulevard and find a homeless man and say show me where the steering wheel of your car is 
he, he knows where it is. If I go to the same area and I'm like, show me where your hamstring is, that thing on the front of my shin, like basics, like just certain basics. And, and part of that is the understanding of just how we move basically. And yoga, gymnastics, other movement practices are all like great steps. But sadly, there's usually not going to be one camp that gives you enough of the basics for general movement needs. So like when I say general movement needs, like picking up things, getting in and out of cars, moving in your office, like yoga, gymnastics, these will all potentially help. But if you don't know how to access certain areas of your body, then I can't know for sure that everything is going to go the right way. Right. Like certain things have to be accounted for before we start saying like, oh, you can do this posture or you can do this movement. Like you must be good to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the most common back injury is when someone's picking something up. Yeah. Or turning. And, and it's usually not even anything heavy. And no. people are like, oh, I just was picking up yep. my backpack and my back went out. And then they think that that action was yeah. what caused. No. Part of this is like the whole paradigm of how we grow and evolve. And it comes from how our parents or guardians view the world and how they reflect it back to us. Mm -hmm. So when we don't grow up with a parent who's aware of movement modalities and aware of the importance of body integration and the, it's like, you know, what, what's important? Well, stick your, you know, put your shoulders back and sit up straight and, you know, finish the food on your plate. <laughs> and it's like, those are habits that we then hear that yeah. we take in. And then we say, this is how life is meant to be lived. Yep. I'm being told and shown that this is how life is meant to be lived yep. or else I get in trouble. Mm-hmm. So then it's yeah. undoing all of that, which if right. we can deliver more of this body awareness and more of this integration in this sense of everything, mm-hmm. I don't know, spatial awareness, connection between people that were electromagnetic beings. If we can like show from a young age that that's something, then people will grow up with looking at the world differently yeah. and under, understanding themselves differently. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, having greater awareness leads to having greater tenderness. And mm-hmm. I feel like that is the thing that is so important. It's like when we find tenderness... Call that word what you want. I don't care. Call me a sissy for using the word tenderness. We all need to be fucking tender. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I have a hard time being tender with this because it's, That's I find ironic. it such, I know it's ironic. <laughs> but it's a really important thing because until we find the tenderness with ourselves, we can't give it to others. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we have parents who are really hard on themselves, then that's what is passed down to us. And right. then, we're confronted with the choice whether to fight or flee. And and it it goes on from there. The walking thing, it makes me think of, and this is the second time that I've thought of that even today, Feldenkrais. Yeah, Feldenkrais method. Exposure to that, yeah. Yeah. Which takes us back to how we started moving as infants when we were not imprinted with all of the things that then happened to us um, throughout our lives. So like neurodevelopmental sequencing and like how we're supposed to come into like the child's stages to the toddler stages, right? Right, and it's about optimization, right? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I might have to revisit some Feldenkrais. It's good stuff. It's very good stuff. And it teaches you also how to, like, walk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Was it Anna that was talking about as we develop, we develop in a way, and then as you get older, we 
kind of go undeveloped. That was me. <laughs> yeah. But was it you. was during Anna's interview. Yeah. 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 And we've seen that you've seen that meme, right? It's like young baby, toddler, child, adult, and then like, yeah, scaling back, <laughs> shrinking, <laughs> curling. Right. And the same thing with organ functions, mm -hmm. functions in the same exact way. Same thing with neural, right? Neural, all the neural pathways, the patterning, the our ability with language. Yeah. We, you know, it's fascinating. It's a loop. Yeah. It's just a cycle. It's just, it's mm -hmm. just a cycle. Yeah. We're going to have a death doula on soon because. Oh. A death duel? Doula. Doula. Oh, doula. Yeah. <laughs> I was um, like, what's a death, like a yeah. real death duel? <laughs> One of us is going down. <laughs> no, but I, uh, yes, a death doula, yeah. right? We have birth doulas, yep. which help us come into the world, help the mother and the family members. And then, then there's the death doula that is representing and supporting the family and, and the mm. person dying on the other end. And it's just as vital. It's just as important. Because everything has that life-death cycle. Yep. Mm -hmm. How did we start talking about this? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of good points you just made. <laughs> Thanks, friend. Yeah. Oh, I remember I how we got here. I was quiet for so long, and then I just, yeah. You were talking about neurodevelopmental stuff, and that's mm. how we got, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting, too, because um, I have studied a lot of those things, and I definitely, you'll see in my practice that there is a, in the rehab to training evolution, there is kind of some neurodevelopmental sequencing that I sprinkle in. But then at the same time, like we talked about way earlier, everybody's going to have their own unique needs. And a good example of that is like for a neurodevelop neurodevelopmental, wow, scientist, you think that, okay, this is what's first, this is what's second, here's the timeline. If this timeline isn't being matched, there might be something going on. But then you go to a tribe in Africa where babies are put in little holes right. until they're a year old and then they just walk. Right. So if right. I had one of those kids come to me at the age of 16 or 20, or now I'm thinking to myself, well, this person didn't learn neurodevelopmentally sequenced properly. So like, you know, what's, is, are they completely wrong? And, you know, is their body all messed up because of that lack of sequencing? No, they actually are totally fine. There isn't a lot of osteopathic issues out there or health issues. So there's, I'm just trying to say that there's different ways to do everything. And it's really fascinating that, for every dogma or, or perspective of like, it's got to be done this way, I can almost guarantee you there's someone on the opposite side of the hill being like, no, there's another way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's just fascinating. Yeah, you just got to explore yeah. and try things out for yourself and just see what resonates and what works for you, really. Right. Which we is adapt. This is cool. We this know is... that we adapt. Yeah. We've been, you know, Always. we know that we evolve and mm -hmm. very quickly too. Mm -hmm. um, somebody was recently sharing a study with me about mice who were exposed to an electromagnetic shock mm. along with the scent of rose. Uh. And within one generation, they didn't need the shock, but the offspring would smell the rose and then immediately freak yep. out Whoa. within one generation. That's crazy. So we know that we adapt very quickly yeah, and that there is no one way. Mm -hmm. and everybody's body's going to move differently. Yep. Well, because we have so many different things going on. Our muscle density is different. The length of our muscles is different. Our bone density, our, what is our fascia like? How thick is it? How, right? And, and those then, are all just physiological potentials, right. let alone the emotional potentials or the environmental potentials or, you know, all that. Hence why we have to go easy on ourselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. This is why this show's cool, though, because you guys are talking about all these things, and there's going to be somebody who's like, yeah, I've seen the Kairos and I've seen the body guys and I've done the training and but 
what's this Ayurvedic thing that I just heard exactly. about? What is that? What's yeah. this? What's this? Uh, who's, who's Ryan Superman? <laughs> we want to know who who he is. Let's yeah. go explore that. Let's yeah. stalk him on Instagram. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, new website is that the best place where people can get a hold of you? Yeah, thank you for asking. Uh, so connection spelled K I N E C T I O N connectionla.com is is my website which is in sorry if if people are on there and it's it's not perfectly done yet. It's it's in the process of being turned into what I want it to be. But it's evolving. Th- thank you. But uh, there is like a sign up for my newsletter. There's a sign up for a 15 minute free phone call with me. So that's a really easy place to get a hold of me. My Instagram is drh. Uh, my my full name is Donald Brian Hodge. <laughs> Sorry. So drh. Connection. <laughs> it's my initials. Damn it! I have nothing to do about Doctor H. H. Right. Drh. Connection is my Instagram. So those two places are the best. Yeah. Thank awesome. You. Cool. Ryan, pleasure having you on. Thanks, thank guys. you so much for uh, chatting and riffing and. Yeah. This thank you. It's been wonderful. Groovy. Anytime. Super groovy. Nice to meet you. Thanks a lot. Nice to meet you, Casey. No, no, Jay. (laughs) And thank you, listeners. Thank you for tuning in to The Way of Healing. We hope that you find yourself inspired. If you enjoyed our show, a gift is to let others know. And we want to hear from you. Please share your feedback so we know how our work is resonating. Make us aware of modalities and practitioners whom we may not know. If you haven't already, please subscribe at thewayofhealingpodcast.com. Our email is thewayofhealingpodcast at gmail.com and find us at facebook.com forward slash thewayofhealing. Remember, a rising tide lifts all boats.